travel or journey, I love to travel. I think a lot of us do. Oftentimes, I enjoy the journey itself as much as the destination, especially depending on the company you're with, right? Um, But I think it's interesting that in literature for centuries and centuries, travel or journey has been one of the most common metaphors for life, the journey of life. In his Leaves of Grass, Walt Whitman wrote of life, Not I nor anyone else can travel the road for you. Philosopher Bob Marley wrote this, Though the road's been rocky, it sure feels good to be me. And then I really love this one from Henry Ward Beecher. This is good stuff. We should not judge people by the peak of their excellence, but by the distance they traveled from the point where they started. Isn't that good? Judge people from the point where they started. A journey. It does seem like a good metaphor because every journey has a beginning. Every journey has an end. And with pretty much every journey, you're not totally sure what's going to happen between the beginning and the end. Some of it will be planned. Much of it will be unplanned. And in a journey like ours, there are surprises along the way. Some of them pleasant. Some of them unpleasant. Unless we overly romanticize this idea of the journey of life, I would ask you to consider the story of a man named Morris. Morris left his home early one morning, got out on the road to run some errands, and while he was out on the road, his wife called him and she said, Dear, be careful. I just saw on the news that someone is on the interstate traveling the wrong direction. Morris said, that's not news to me. Hundreds are driving the wrong direction. (laughs) Well, today in James chapter 1, James is basically going to tell you, don't be like Morris. Make sure you're headed in the right direction. And yeah, we don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. But where are you going? Where are you headed? For all of us, this is the important question. Now, for James, speaking to believers, this is not a big surprise, okay? But James says the focus of the journey is Jesus. Jesus is what the journey is about. In fact, in the very first verse of this book, James tells us that he is James a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I belong to Christ, James says. So know who you belong to. Know that your journey as a believer is wrapped up in Jesus. Jesus is the beginning. Jesus is the end of the journey. The Alpha and the Omega. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Jesus is the author and he's the perfecter of our faith. He is the journey for believers. So we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. Know where you're headed. Head closer and closer to Jesus. 
Now, James is going to give us a really, really potent life hack this morning. It's life hack number two. Number one was last week. So get the lesson from last week to find out what that was. Here is life hack number two. Here it goes. When you know the destination, you can appreciate the journey. When you know the destination, think about that, you can better appreciate the journey, even when there's some struggle, even when there's some potholes along the way, even when there's some pain, you can have persistent joy because you know for a fact where you're headed. You know that Jesus is the beginning. You know that Jesus is the end of your journey. So you can handle anything life throws your way. The destination gives you that, it, that pulling forward, that persistent joy. James says in chapter 1, verse 2, he says, When troubles come your way. By the way, I love that word, when. Not if. Okay, James knows you're going to have them. So he says, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. What a crazy statement, man. When troubles come your way, ah, consider that an opportunity for great joy. Because with Jesus, there's joy on the journey, no matter what. Why is that? How does this work? James explained this a little bit more. He certainly does in chapter 1. With Jesus at the destination, there's joy on the journey. The first bullet point there in the outline is this. Because Christ is making me, according to verse 4, quote, He's making me mature. He's making me complete. He's making me where I am lacking nothing. Of Jesus, James says, you complete me, not Jerry Maguire. In fact, no person will complete you. I hope you found the love of your life. I do. I hope you show up at Safe Conversations February 13th and learn how to do that better. But no human relationship is going to complete you. James says, that's found in Jesus. That's found in Jesus. So the journey, yeah, it's going to have some ups. It's going to have some downs. Um, but we know that we are a work in progress, that Jesus is maturing and completing and adding to us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God is making us and molding us into the image of Jesus. So there's purpose in pain. Boy, does that help to know that. That there's purpose in pain. What a help to know that. Now, everyone gets the opportunity to experience the power of this if they belong to Jesus. Because along the way, there will be illness. Along the way, there may be tragedy. Along the way, there may be depression. Along the way, there may be some unemployment. Along the way, there may be a rough patch in a relationship. Actually, there will be rough patches in relationships. Along the way, there will be struggles that parents face. The Bible doesn't say you're going to get through life scot-free. It says when the trouble comes. The Bible never says you need to like the struggle. But it says you can have joy in the struggle because you know that Jesus is using the temporary struggle 
for his glory and to develop you into his likeness. Also, when Jesus is the destination, that helps us out because number two, Christ is using me as a kind of first fruits of all he created. That's in verse 18. First fruits, not a word we use very much anymore. First fruits is this image of a, of a gardener or a farmer that's getting to show off a little bit. The first strawberries of the year. The first beautiful, ripe tomatoes of the year. The farmer shows up down there at the farmer's market and says, Here are my first fruits. Here's a preview of what is to come. Doesn't this look marvelous? See it, taste it, relish it. Jesus says, In me, you are the first fruits of the gospel. God is showing off a little bit through you. He's saying, look, if a guy like Gordon can find grace, if a guy like Gordon can find meaning because of the cross, anybody can. We're the first fruits of the gospel. And so the farmer shows up with those fruits so that people can see what is to come as a believer. Christ wants to hold you up and say, look, This is what I can do with somebody who surrenders their life to me. Christ is using us, his church, as his first fruit. So also, no matter what the journey holds, we can take heart because we have been guaranteed that our current difficulties are nothing compared to the joy that God has planned out for us. Number three there, Christ is giving me, is giving us, quote, the crown of life, verse 12. The crown of life. This destination, this journey that we're on, it's not leading you to a, to a month's vacation in the Florida Keys, although that would be nice, okay? It is leading you and I to the crown of life in Christ. It is inevitable. It is unending. It is incomparable life. That's where we're headed. Knowing that makes a huge difference, doesn't it? Because whatever I face, I know what's coming. I know the disease, I know the problem, I know the difficulty, I know the unemployment, I know what... That's not the end. The end. It's the crown of life. And Paul, who knew plenty about troubles, wrote in Romans chapter 8, verse 18. I love this verse. Paul said, look, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. So file all this under. Life hack from James. When you know the destination, you can appreciate the journey. Now in chapter 1, James is not only going to share with us this destination of movement toward Christ, 
James is going to give us some tips for the journey along the way because we've got to make it right now. In however many years the Lord grants us, James, how do I pull this off in the here and now? The first thing he shares with us is this. On this journey, I will face trials. But I have the freedom to choose how I view those circumstances. He says in verse 2, Consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds. The key word there in verse 2 is the first word, consider, regard it. It's a matter of perspective. Think about it this way. Frame it like this. Choose how you will see it. In any journey, there is a question of latitude and a question of attitude, all right? The question of latitude is, okay, where are you on the map? What, what is the location of your current circumstance? So you're here, so you're here, so you're here. There's also the question of attitude. Both of those things make up the journey. Um, I don't get to choose, at least not all the time, my location. I don't always get a say in my latitude, Okay? I didn't choose for this to happen. I didn't choose for that to happen. But I can consider it pure joy. I can choose my attitude. You didn't choose for your... You didn't choose for your loved one to get Alzheimer's. You didn't choose... For that baby born to you to be a special needs child. You didn't choose whether the market in January would go up or down. By the way, it went down. You didn't choose whether your home was in the path of the tornadoes that went through the Metroplex a few weeks ago or whether the path of the tornadoes was 10 miles north of your home. We don't get to choose things like that. Those are location questions which we don't get to choose. You can't choose your latitude all the time. But you can choose your attitude because you know where you're going and because you know the Lord is with you. So you can consider it pure joy. One of the most joyful people I have ever known, and Isla knows him as well, um, is a guy named Todd Lawler. Todd, years ago, I was the campus minister at the University of Oklahoma, and Todd Lawler is the very first intern I ever hired. And I hired Todd Lawler because he is one of the most contagiously joyful people I have ever known. Everybody, all kinds of people were drawn to Todd, and Todd's mission in life was then to take all of that and send him toward Jesus, right? Use his personality. What, what Todd did not get to choose in life was being born with cerebral palsy. Todd did not choose to be wheelchair-bound for his entire life. Todd did not choose to have such a serious speech impediment because of that disease that he had difficulty even just saying, good morning. Todd did not choose any of that, but he was chosen to do great things for the glory of God, and he chose to consider his circumstances 
pure joy, and everyone around him could see that. Now he's, he's a campus minister up at UNT, and he's married now, and he just had a little boy uh, with his wife. It's wonderful. But you, you don't always get to choose your latitude, but you can choose your attitude, James says. Sufferings, difficulties. In Christ, you can consider those things pure joy. The next thing there is, is, is this. Um, on the journey, I'll feel inadequate, but I can confidently ask, verse 5, for God's wisdom. And verse 17, I can ask for God's help. All right? You can ask, and God will answer. This is what verse 5 says. Ask God who gives generous, generously to all without finding fault. I like that. Have you ever felt inadequate, not up to the task? Moms, dads, parents, is that not just almost a daily part of your existence, feeling like, I'm not a good dad, I'm not a very good mom? That's kind of a perpetual state of affairs, I think, for a lot of us parents. How about as a friend? How about inadequate as a spouse? How about inadequate as a boss or a business leader? Um, this tip that comes from James is very simple. When you feel that you're not up to the task, James says, ask God for help. He says, don't doubt Okay? Doubters are like a wave on the sea that's just tossed back and forth. No, you can be firm and confident in your conviction. God hears and God helps. If you are confused, if you're not clear on what your next step should be, ask God for wisdom, ask God for help. He gives, what did the verse say? Generously to all. And I love the last part of that verse, verse 5. Generously to all without finding fault. God is, look, He's not, according to the image we see in Scripture, He's not a fault finding God, He's not a nitpicking Father. He's not a hypercritical deity just waiting from up there in heaven for you to blow it. That's not who he is. No offense, but God already knows you're inadequate, okay? Sorry. He knows that about you. Um, he's not going to sit in judgment when you blow it once again. He's not going to think, I can't believe it. When you come to him and you say, Lord, I have no idea what to do here. Can I get some help? <laughs> So there's no need to doubt. There's no need to waver in that state. You can go to God. And you can say, help me. I need some wisdom here. I need some assistance here. And then James reminds us of an area that can really mess with our perspective. By the way, I'm going to do what I did at first service. We're going to finish early in this outline. I'm going to save some of this for next week because I do not want to rush through the part on temptation. And as we were, we were going through first service, I'm like, okay, this is really getting long. So don't worry if you're looking at the outline going, he's only halfway through. Okay. <laughs> we're going to wrap up here pretty quick. But we are going to finish with this thing James tells us. Thank you, James, for just telling us like it is. Something that can really mess with our perspective 
Guess what that is, 2016 North Dallas? Money. Money. Apparently that was an issue in the first century, not just our century. Money is meant to serve. Money is a good thing. Money is going to populate our budget with, with everything it needs to get us out in the community serving. Money's going to do some great things for the kingdom of God this year. Money helps you pay the electric bill and buy groceries. Money's good. Money is meant to serve. Money is not meant to be served. Money has to be mastered, or money can very easily become your master. So on the journey, I won't hold too tightly. I know I need money, okay? But I won't hold too tightly to money and things because I know that all of that is perishable. All of that is going to go away at some point. Right? As they say, you never see a hearse pulling a, a U-Haul trailer, right? You don't get to take it with you. He says in verse 11 from the New Living, I love this. He says, he says the grass withers. So in Dallas, that's usually around July or maybe June, or maybe May, the grass starts turning brown, right? He says, the grass withers, the little flower droops and falls. The rich will fade away with all of their achievements. FYI, this is, just, this is a great, like, verses 9 to 11, if you're looking for something to just kind of think about, to just kind of ponder, to meditate on, verses 9 through 11. James will give you plenty to think about, especially with respect to our culture and the values of our age, because basically, James, this is basic thumbnail here, James says the disadvantaged person, that's the rich person. The person of privilege, that's the poor person. Huh. Is that not the exact opposite of everything our culture tells us? I mean, I know it is. You know it is. Maybe, just maybe, the rich person disadvantaged, the poor person privileged. Maybe, just maybe, there is some risk to the soul, some eternal risk in being wealthy. Why would that be, maybe? I don't know all the reasons, but for starters, it is so much easier for the wealthy to simply trust in their money. I've got problems. Money can solve those problems. They can lean on their bank account or their investment portfolio instead of trusting in God who gave them material resources. It's easy to look to money as Savior. And even, dare I say, Lord. That word Lord, so... Lord means the one who's calling the shots. Is money calling the shots in your life? Just a question. 
Jesus says money fades. Finances fade. Money evaporates at some point. Um, sometimes a lot sooner than we wish it would. <laughs> so keep what matters most in perspective, he says. An obsession with money can really warp priorities and pull us away from what matters most. So that's it today. <laughs> We're going to stop here. We'll pick this up next week um, as he takes us through very interesting look at temptation, the process of temptation. What is that? Everyone is tempted. Jesus was tempted. What happens between that beginning point and where it becomes destructive and, and addictive to us? We'll talk about that next week. Let me finish out by just saying this. This destination that, that James presents to us of Jesus, of drawing closer to Jesus, uh, this traveling companion, Jesus, who goes with us, um, have you... Have you put your trust in him? Are you a follower of Jesus? Have you declared him to be your Lord and Savior? Have you been baptized into Jesus, having your sins washed away? The freedom that comes with that. If that's something you need to do this morning, we would invite you to respond to the gospel invitation to put your life in the hands of Jesus. Declare him to be your Lord, the one who's going to call the shots in your life. Uh, if you just need prayers, you can get around and pray with somebody during our, our response time this morning or come pray with me or one of our shepherds. However you need to respond, do that as we stand together and worship.